What are some of the things that you notice out of that long passage? What jumped out at you? It's a very neat story. It's one of my favorite stories in, on all the Gospels and the Scriptures. D. It's an eye-opener, we call it. The, the spiritual light bulb goes off. Yeah, yeah. And there's reasons for that. There's reasons for that. You know, and uh, both on our part and also, you know, it can be a couple of things. is recognizing the presence, but also being present ourselves. Sometimes we are so distracted and not really present ourselves in whatever the moment is. What else? Yes, Bonnie. Yeah, it was nearly the end of the day, it said, and they'd gone on a long journey, and they went, we can't just sit here. We can't even stay the night. Let's go. Yeah, that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, what else? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Oh, did Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's so fantastic, yeah. i tell you a little story, it's a true story about, uh, and it, it, it's the title of the sermon. I'm sorry I didn't see you there. Um, yeah, and uh, the men's Bible study, in the men's Bible study about a year and a half ago, we were talking and we were commiserating about not complaining, just talking about the various things that happen as we are aging. And a group of us middle-aged and more uh, men are sitting together talking about the results of that and, uh, and, and what happens with that. You know, what are some of the various results? And we had the various complaints. And Bill Douglas told us a story how he and another fr a friend of his who had, d had just turned... 50, and was saying, and, and I'm sure that this is true of, of ladies as well, but the men were talking about this, and so Bill and his friend were walking on the streets in Kirkland, and they too were talking about what happens when you turn 50, and uh, the, the one guy turns to Bill and says, you know what happens? The number one thing on the list is you become invisible especially to younger ladies and to younger gals. You are invisible. You disappear for various reasons. You know, uh, the, the, the spread, the, uh, <laughs> the appearance, uh, the, the gray hairs, or what, for whatever reason, you just you become invisible. And as they're talking... Three gals ran into them and said, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. <laughs> Proving the point. <laughs> I thought that was the perfect example or illustration about how sometimes we're on the road with Jesus and for various reasons, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. 
you know, for whatever reason. What are some of the reasons that we don't recognize the risen Christ in our midst? Too busy. Okay, we're going to talk more about that. What, but what are some other reasons? What were some of the reasons that they didn't uh, see the risen Christ? I know it says, um, in this translation, it says they were prevented. It sounds like uh, they were prevented from recognizing for a purpose. But others say that, that they were prevented. It doesn't necessarily mean that by, it, uh, by God, it could be prevented by the various circumstances. What do you think that they were going through that prevented them from seeing a risen Christ? That they were prevented from seeing? Oh, the, the Pharisees. Maybe they had theological blinders. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know, but that's possible. That's some of what we do. Yeah. Ed. They were grieving. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, it's hard to see things through tears. Things, your grief can really rob you of perception of grace around you. Can really rob you of perception. Yes, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, it's so fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. And, and we have some laws about that in our journeys, about hands-free, the distractions that we say, oh, I can, I'll, I'll see everything. Mm, no. No. We get distracted. And our grieving, you know, sometimes we go through some hard things, and so it's hard to, to perceive the risen Christ in our midst. Um, I want to focus on the one that, that Price mentioned because I think our culture is every one of us here, even retired folk, are scheduled and pushed to the hilt. And it's hard to recognize grace and joy and we're robbed of the presence of the risen Christ in our lives sometimes. Because we're so pushed and pulled. I mean, think about it, not just the risen Christ. It's hard for you to perceive each other. I'm going to pick on you and, and Price. It said that sometimes uh, that when they get so going, even in their own house, they don't even recognize that each other are there. And don't hear each other, don't see each other. And that's a world in which we are, I call it, crowded isolation. And that seems to be our culture to a T. And here's the problem. The church can contribute to that without knowing it. Where we're supposed to be displaying and sharing the risen Christ, and a place where we perceive and know and listen to the risen Christ, 
we can be part of the frenzy as well. By the number of ministries that we do, by the number of things that we got to get accomplished. Uh, by uh, Janine and I have a particular problem is because of the amount of things that need to get done. Oftentimes we aren't present in the moment, and you and we don't perceive you as present. We see you as part of a possible task that needs to get done instead of you. Let alone the fact that Christ is here with us. And we're to stop and listen as he opens the word and as as Christ shares with us his calling and listen and be guided by that as a church and in our lives together. I'm going to share with you, just uh, in closing here, um, you'll see in your bulletin, I had the continuum. Remember I showed you the real life continuum about ministry, about discipling, uh, a discipling church, a church that, that reaches out and disciples people. And, and it's basically a journey. And in that journey, and there's a portion of that that I wanted, uh, I wanted to, uh, to really hone in on. And so let me uh, be patient with me uh, as I try to And it's a it's a it's a real life continuum. It's a, it's a ministry continuum. It's also a, a a life for the Christian, and a journey for the Christian. Okay, it's coming. It's coming. And it's under the auspices of the Holy Spirit, and it's a discipling uh, focus. Um, but it also is every step of the way. And when you're dealing with people, and as you're discipling them, and you're in relationship with them, what are some of the various things that happen? and uh, approaches that we take. How do you help people mature as Christians to do what Jesus did for the reasons he did them? The Real Life Continuum was created to not only offer a vision of disciple-making, but also to offer guidance on what to do at each step in the journey. And in the first step, you're helping a skeptic. They see Christians as hypocritical, judgmental, and narrow-minded. So they need to trust a Christian in order to grow in faith. If a skeptic begins to trust Christians, they become seekers. Humbly challenge them toward next steps in faith. Mean churches challenge without building trust and thus aren't heard. Other churches play nice, never challenging to next steps. Knowing the difference between a skeptic and a seeker will help you know what to offer. And the ultimate challenge is to give them a chance to trust Jesus and let him take lead. If they do that, then they become followers of Jesus. But let me come back to this one. In the fourth step, help Christians become leaders. Not everyone gets a title, but everyone should be released to use their spiritual gifts for the common good. So empower them by giving both power and authority to leaders in your care. In the final step, help Christians to become world changers. Help them to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Envision with them 
on how they can be people of love not only within the church, but also to the world around them. Now let's get back to the third step. What should every Christ follower be able to do? Perhaps you want them to read the Bible or pray every day or be a part of a Christian community each week. But what's the one thing? I think that all of these other rhythms point to recognizing God's voice in the everyday and obeying what we hear. Because one word from God is worth a thousand sermons. These world changers then also make other apprentices of Jesus. They make disciples. And all of this is done in the community of the big story under the power and leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we keep learning to hear rightly by first hearing, then responding to what we hear, and then debriefing what we've done in community. And so that's how people keep growing in their faith. Okay, your turn. Okay. This is a wonderful dynamic and, 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 and some wonderful things here, in, even in our experience in this worship service itself. We had a calling uh, for leaders, new leaders, elders and deacons. Um, but we're all called to be leaders in our discipling process, in our growing, maturing process in Christ. We're all called to be leaders using the gifts that God has, has given us in whatever way of service. It may not be a titled place, but we are all, all called to serve. We're all called to eventually grow into world changers. Sometimes, though, we get, we get stuck in the skeptic and seeker phase, and we kind of play, play nice and everything, not really pushing toward decisions for Jesus Christ and so forth. But and also, too, uh, oftentimes we approach the world uh, and those who are skeptics, we, we don't build trust. You can trust Christ. You can trust a Christian. We're not, it's not about judgment. Christ came into this world to save the world, not to condemn the world. And, uh, and raise that up and to understand that there's great joy and, and salvation. But this middle part, you know, what is it we're called to do, mainly as Christians? is to recognize the risen Christ in our everyday. Hearing God's voice, being able to recognize God's voice, and process that, that's what the church really should be helping you do. And your, in your growth and in your obedience, responding to that voice, learning how to, to discern that voice and to hear that voice, and then respond to it, and then in process together, grow in this process of, of listening, perceiving, understanding Christ's presence with us, and then also responding to that uh, as, a, as a body of Christ, debriefing that, and, and then keep that cycle going of recognizing living. It's worth a thousand sermons. Hearing the voice of Christ in your day is worth a thousand sermons. You know, you can come to a sermon, you can come to a, a Sunday morning, and be inspired uh, or entertained or whatever. Um, uh, but hearing the voice of Christ and having that change your life and move you forward in life with joy in terms of knowing the risen Christ, it's worth more than a thousand sermons. You really can't put a price on that. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning.